0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: This is Tony Maglio from IndieWire, and you're listening to Duke Loves Racing.
2: That's right, my brothers, my sisters, Tony Maglio, formerly of the Rap, now he's with IndieWire. He's going to be joining us this week to discuss the television world and how pro wrestling is affected by it, also uh, shed some light on the upfronts, whatever the heck that is, let's actually get to an expert who can explain what they are and tell us the truth about how WWE and AEW were featured at these upfronts, oh boy. But before we get to any of that stuff, this episode is sponsored by our friends over at the River City Wrestling Convention. In fact, check out this special message.
0: Let me fill in the people at home. For those of you who don't know, River City Wrestling Convention, June 12th, in Jacksonville, Florida. We, the Renegade Twins, are up against Kelsey Reagan. Again, a freaking game. Again, again. I know, I know. I mean, this time she has, she may have the hometown at advantage. Jacksonville, her hometown. But, but, cool. but I also I also heard she might have a little bit more of an advantage, you know what I heard? She brought in a UFC fighter. Is that that girl Persia Pierce everybody's talking about? Yes, Persia Pierce, she's all cool, she's tough, she's big, bad, and strong. But you, Kelsey, you didn't feel like you could just step up to the Renegade Twins yourself? You we feel like wouldn't. you had to bring a UFC fighter in? <laughs> well, let's talk about it, baby. She might be a UFC fighter. But were you a street fighter? So, come June 12th in Jacksonville, Florida at River City Wrestling Convention, you too can get, can get you
2: some. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke Gloves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host,
0: I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass.
2: And I'm all out of bubblegum. You know, Tony Maglio, we're celebrating the sixth year anniversary of the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, and you're someone who's been on the show, you know, through the years. And our audience really enjoys when you make time to come here because you're an actual journalist, right? You actually understand, you know, the television industry, the advertising industry, Hollywood, how all these things play into one another. So when you come on here and, and you provide some insight about pro wrestling through that lens, it's just a great education. And, and we really appreciate that. So first and foremost, how you been there, Max?
1: Well, listen, I'm great. And the pleasure is mine. Thank you for all that intro. But what a sad low bar. (laughs) You're an actual journalist. So people seem to like you. That's uh, I I totally appreciate the accolades and the confidence. And I I do know where you're coming from, of course, uh, because I'm interested in this wrestling space as well. Uh, And I see the difference, you know, between, you know, let's say uh, entertainment journalism and and pro wrestling journalism. So I get you. And while I know there are some others out there who do a really nice job. very, very wonderful intro, but sad that that intro has to include you try to do real reporting. But yes, I do.
2: You know, Mags, it always boggles my mind. And, and you and I talk about this often, just the fact that these these wrestling websites, these podcasts, they're not going out of their way to reach out to people like yourself and getting you on the record discussing pro wrestling from the lens of the television industry. And I find that so bizarre because here's the reality of the situation. They're not TV experts. That's not their wheelhouse. They may know pro wrestling, but they don't really know TV and and regardless of what they try to pretend, they don't. So, you know, the way I see it, it, if, if there's somebody out there that knows more about something than I do, and especially if they specialize in knowing this thing, then I want them on the show. I want them to come and educate me, educate my my audience, so that we can become more aware and over time have a better understanding of what's going on. Why do you think that is, mag why, why do you think uh, people don't really reach out to you and, and your peers who are in the, the television reporting industry? Because it's just very strange to me the fact that there's so much discussion about Nielsen ratings and 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 pro wrestling on TV and what executives are thinking and all this stuff but it's like th- these folks they never have people like yourself they they hardly ever have the executives on the record talking directly to them it's just a lot of made up mumbo jumbo and trust me, brother, uh, sort of discussion, which is just odd. Well, why do you think they don't reach out to you and your peers more often?
1: It's a good question. Um, you know, not to toot my own horn, but since it was asked that way, I, I guess I would have some knowledge to drop and share uh, from that side of the business that, like you said, doesn't often get highlighted on these things. But I guess the answer that I could come up with, and you know, to be fair, I don't listen to a ton of Wrestling podcasts. I mean, I also don't listen to a ton of entertainment podcasts or any podcasts, really. Um, you know, other than something here and there. But so I don't really quite know what's going on in the space. But my guess would be the same reason I don't get you know credited a lot on on reporting or or on Twitter or anything is um, it's a really competitive space, and it doesn't hurt my feelings. It doesn't bother me. Wrestling is kind of a side interest um, for me, and it continues to be more and more pushed to the side. Uh, as I get busier and busier in the TV and film space. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, you know, my my take, my assumption is that it's it's so ultra competitive. It's so much puffing out your chest and fighting for who broke what and what's a dirt sheet, what's real reporting, and everyone's trying to monetize their own space that my guess would be everyone wants to be their own expert. I mean, you know, why would Dave Meltzer, for an example, need to to have me on when he feels he's an expert in the space? And I'm not suggesting that he's not. Dave's been around for a very long time and he's been incredibly successful. He, I'm only singling him out by name because he's you know, the most known, the most successful, the most long running. But I think I would agree with you in that, you know, those who know wrestling better than I do, of which I definitely know, there are plenty of people yourself included that do, um, I would go to them for a wrestling story uh, as it pertains to you know writing on TV, but you're right. I, I don't think a lot of wrestling people tend to go to TV people uh, when there's a TV rights or a TV deal or, you know, whatever sort of story in that. And, and I, again, I don't just put myself in that space. There are other people that do a, an excellent job at other publications. You know, my buddy, Joe Otterson at Variety is a wrestling fan. Um, he's, you know, someone you could absolutely go to. Guy I used to work with named Jeremy Fuster at The Wrap. Uh, he's an independent wrestling fan. He's a film reporter, but he knows what he's talking about. And uh, I, I would agree with you. I don't really see uh, people invited, and I don't get a ton of invites myself uh, to do such things. But, um, you know, again, it's probably because everybody wants to be the man in this space. It's, it's this weird thing that wrestling and probably combat sports overall uh, lends itself to. Uh, and I understand that to a certain extent, but yeah, it probably could be a little bit more sharing out there and a little bit more information presented by, you know, people in the know. And, you know, I'd be happy to do it as time allows, but as you said, I don't really get a ton of those invites. I've been wrong about things too, but my track record is, is pretty decent. Uh, and when you're just going to a a dirt sheet, and again, I don't really use that as a pejorative because I don't really read them, but I, I just just, I don't have the time for it. You know, I was saying this in the pre-interview, listen, I also don't read, I also don't go to New York Times. I don't have a subscription there. It's 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 not because I don't trust their journalism, but of course I do. It's simply, you know, when this is your job being in the media, and of course you have to be informed, you know, anything beyond what serves your immediate job that you spend 10 12 hours a day doing, you know, kind of ends up being frivolous, especially if you have kids like like I do. So uh you know it's it's tricky. I agree. It's a balancing act. There's a lot of pride in wrestling. It is unusual and confusing to me that fans don't seem to want to be informed. they want an echo chamber set up where, whatever their personal preferences, if you love AEW, you 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 know eat up, you gobble up pro AEW news. Which unfortunately, that pro AEW news is probably coming from people inside AEW who have a reason. Uh, that benefits them to, you know, plug positive AEW news. And and absolutely the opposite exists for WWE and I'm sure it exists for New Japan and and so on and so forth. So it's really just like, it's it's like politics, man. And, and Twitter is just the worst of all of it in that if, if anything doesn't suit your own narrative or what you want your narrative to be, there's enough people. I'm sure there are people out there that do seek information and they're the, you know, silent majority, but the, the not silent people are, are very much not silent about uh, their opinions. But unfortunately, what ends up happening, as you suggested or you said outright, is like people mistake opinion for news. And again, this happens in politics, too. But, you know, we're talking about this this thing that we're all a fan of, that we all enjoy professional wrestling. And in. instead of seeking out the correct information the average fan just seeks out the, the, the thing that suits them and they argue with the other side. And, you know, I try not to participate in that uh, though. Of course I you know sometimes get drawn into it, but yeah, it's a, it's a weird space. It's a weird medium. Uh, and honestly, Duke, like, I think I said this on Twitter recently, like after getting a bunch of hate over me trying to report some news out of upfronts is like, it's why I stopped reporting on wrestling. I, there was a time where you know I would like talk to Ryan Satin about like hey maybe I want to make a move from TV reporting specifically to wrestling reporting just because I was so into wrestling at the time and I so enjoyed looking for news and trying to get scoops and this and that and then I got a taste of what the feedback from reporting on wrestling was and I essentially switched to an F this mindset um you know you try your best to do good reporting sometimes it's right sometimes it, turn, it turns out not to be right and then Wrestling, more than anything, things are so fluid and literally getting rewritten up to the last minute that anyone who reports on wrestling can tell you, uh, you know, you're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of misses along with your hits. And uh, it just didn't it just didn't become worth it anymore. So I'm always happy to be like the TV, quote unquote, expert. Um, But I kind of, you know, I, I lost a lot of my love for wrestling. I don't even watch on the regular anymore. And probably a lot of it is just so much of the negativity in the social space when you're simply trying to get some news out there, whether for personal reasons, uh, like I know, you know, followers like you enjoy it and get something out of it or professional reasons, meaning simply I found a way to make wrestling into a TV business story and I could publish it on whatever website I'm working at, which for years was The rap and now is IndieWire.
2: You know, Mags, everybody in the wrestling world seems to be fixated on something called the upfronts. All the different uh, wrestling websites and the podcast, they're talking about the upfronts. The fans, especially in the IWC, uh, the internet wrestling community, especially on Twitter, they're talking the upfronts, the upfronts. Yet, it's pretty clear that uh, most people have no idea what the upfronts actually are. And because it's not really for you know, the, the average consumer, we really shouldn't know what the upfronts are. So once and for all can you explain exactly what are the upfronts
1: Yeah it's a great question and I agree with what you said nor should they like there's I've gotten a, in several arguments and I only engage in the ones that entertain me really on Twitter I'm not super active on Twitter otherwise but about my reporting on the upfronts and the weird thing is you know everyone telling me what the upfronts were and are and it is mostly an argument between did Warner Brothers Discovery give enough, you know, airtime, for lack of a better word, to AEW? How did Fox handle WWE? How did NBCU handle WWE? Um, you know, mostly it was AEW fans being upset because I pointed out that there wasn't that much of a presence at the Warner Brothers Discovery upfront. So the upfronts are a every year, and May is the main uh, main month, and this one particular week, like the third week of May, is always the big week. And what they are is uh, what they are are a an event that is for advertisers and media buyers put on by media companies, so your TV stations, uh your TV stations, meaning broadcast networks like Fox, NBC, ABC, CW, uh, CBS, and now big streaming services that have ads because what they're trying to do is they're showing these are our new fall shows and sometimes mid-season, but mostly fall. Here's what we've ordered. Here's what we've renewed. We want you to advertise on them. So, you know, if it's something that's long running, like the blacklist on NBC, we know what the blacklist is. Advertisers know what the blacklist is. They don't really need to see a sizzle reel of the blacklist. Uh, now, you may bring out James Spader, for example, to you know shake hands and uh, charm advertisers and try to get money, you know, for the blacklist and try to have people. You know, purchase commercial time on the blacklist, but mostly it's these new shows that nobody's ever heard of and nobody knows what they are. And so you try to show your new slate of shows and you try to impress with trailers and with stars and with this and that. And all you're trying to do, all you're doing is competing with the other possible places that an advertiser or a media buyer could buy commercial time, could buy ad space. And so you're you're just competing. You're just setting up your fall and to some extent your mid-season Um, in this constant fight over advertising money, over revenue. Um, And so where wrestling does or does not play a role is, you know, if you have a wrestling show that has advertising time, which, you know, Raw, SmackDown, uh, AEW shows, they do, uh, you know, because they're not on SVOD streaming, which means you don't have ads, you just have subscribers. You are battling over these bucks. So if you have you know, confidence that a show is going to uh, bring in a lot of advertising money, especially versus your competition, because it all comes from one pie, you would highlight that show at the upfronts, which again, typically, as we talk about them, we're talking about this one week in May, that's continuing to expand because everyone is continuing to add platforms. And those platforms, mostly streaming platforms, are becoming much more like broadcast and cable TV in that they have advertising. So Disney Plus will add advertising later this year. Now, again, as it pertains to wrestling, not really a player, um, but they will be featured at the upfront even more heavily next year. Netflix, in theory, is going to add an advertising supported tier in the fourth quarter of this year, as it's been reported. So then next May, we should have a big, glitzy, expensive couple thousand people at a really nice venue, Netflix event. And then there will be a party where you, you know, glad hand with the stars and take pictures. And you know, again, you're just attempting to woo advertisers. Reporters like myself are there to report on the event. We don't really, they don't really care about wooing us. But the people that they put up front and center are, and I'm just going to use an example: the Pepsi people. We want Pepsi to advertise on our shows instead of our competition shows. And so that's what the upfronts are. And I know that's a long-winded answer, but it's a complicated thing that nobody should, as you said, nobody should know about. I didn't know about these things ten years ago when I was just in accounting and finance and not doing uh, any sort of entertainment reporting. Um, But then, you know, to predict your next question, as far as wrestling goes, you know, no, I think people misunderstood a little bit. Some of my tweeting, not WWE was not a main component of Fox and NBCU upfronts because we're talking about two to three hour presentations. Now at NBC universal, Uh, Miz and I think it was Bianca Belair, they got stage time. And so they were highlighted. And, you know, uh, Raw was in more of the packages uh, than, than, you know, like AEW was at Warner Brothers Discovery. And then at Fox, which was an entirely pre-recorded conversation, SmackDown got more attention than AEW shows did at Warner Brothers Discovery. But again, I don't want to suggest it was like the main component because it's not it was just included more and then because fox was an afternoon event they have parties afterwards and you know at that party they had roman reigns who obviously we know is the uh well unified champion i guess is what we could call it and and a whole bunch of wwe pr flax and and uh talent handlers and so so on and so forth so from that standpoint wwe was definitely better represented uh, than AEW was in terms of time allotted, whether it be on stage or in a pre-recorded like highlight package. Um, but again, it's you know it, there are all these caveats. One could argue that WWE is obviously much more long-running and has much more long-running partnerships, especially with NBC Universal and Miz has his reality shows and so on and so forth. So you could you could make arguments and you could place asterisks. But, you know, the fact of the matter was anyone who thinks AEW was as represented as WWE was during the week of upfronts, that's factually incorrect. I think I I mentioned this in some of my tweets. I would be concerned if I was an AEW fan. And it's, you know, people, uh, you know, let me put my cards on the table. I'm not an AEW fan, but it's not because I dislike AEW. It's because I don't watch it. You know, and truth be told, I haven't watched WWE in a very long time. I have two daughters. One is five and one is two. And, uh you know, watching three hours of raw is not, is not very possible. Now, do I prefer the WWE product to, to the glimpses I've seen of AW? Yes, I think I do, but that's because I prefer mainstream sports to even collegiate sports. I just, I still see WWE as having the best of the best production, best of the best talent, you know, biggest guys, all the stuff they have the biggest stars. Um, so, you know, I do have a bias towards WWE as a fan. Now, that does not inform my reporting. I really, it really does nothing for me here at 40 years old uh, with no financial incentive in the success or failure of either country. A company, excuse me, I really don't care who wins the ratings wars and who in five years from now is the big company. It means nothing to me. I, I don't know why nobody seems to, be able to believe that or understand that. That's just a part of being a reporter. You separate your work from your opinions. I, I would do the same thing if, if I thought the uh, final season of Ozark or the final season of Better Call Saul, two shows that I enjoy, you know, underperformed. It, it wouldn't inform my reporting. Um, so anyway, to answer your question, which is based on my opinion, it, it, my opinion as a professional, I would be, be very concerned because it does not strike me that between the cost cutting that you mentioned, um, you know, I haven't been looking into contract statuses, but it does seem to make sense to me that next year it would be up. And I'm sure they're not profitable because, again, something I haven't independently confirmed, but that seems reasonable for a company of of their age, especially with the upfront investment. Uh, and not that the cons necessarily need profitability, but, you know, some point down the road, you would need that. And I don't believe their first contract, you know, just like a rookie quarterback. It's not super lucrative. You have to prove yourself and then you get the money. Um, but my concern would be the, the next contract, the next phase going forward, because, you know, as you said, like the ratings are what the ratings are. They're not going to double. The TV is where it is. And I'm not saying they're bad ratings. They're, they pushed NXT off. You know, they, they've competed at times with, uh, with Raw. You know, SmackDown has the advantage of being uh, on broadcast television. Um, So I don't know that AEW could ever theoretically compete from cable to versus broadcast. Um, But yeah, I would be concerned. It's not a cheap. Listen, live sports command a lot of money, and that's a plus for AEW. That's a plus for the cons. But in a time where we were spending endless amounts on content and everyone's starting to realize, especially with the Netflix effect where they just lost subscribers in the first quarter and their stock went in the tank and is still pretty much there. Uh, we are no longer in a world of television where you can just spend like a drunken sailor. Now, there's still, we're still spending a lot of money. You know, Disney, I think, cut a billion dollars of expenditures from what it planned to do this year, but it's still spending like $32 billion across all its platforms. Netflix is still spending like $17 billion on content this year. Now, that may go down in the future when those budgets are a little more controllable. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a problem because this does not strike me as a company, as a new regime. David Zaslav, not that I've ever asked him directly about wrestling. And I'm sure if I did, he would say the correct things, which is it's a force on Wednesday nights and so on and so forth. It doesn't I don't think Zaslav is that big of a wrestling guy. He comes from Discovery, which is uh, reality stuff. And it's female skewing the reality side, you would think, would favor the scripted uh, nature of, or the drama that can be created through wrestling. Um, but then he's, you know, inherited Warner Media, which is where AEW comes from. And that is much more, uh, you know, prestige TV, HBO, Warner Brothers films. So that seems to be where he's focused. And and something that um, was a really bad sign to me, I remember somebody asked me, um, do you think, like, what do you think as I started laying off executives? And I said, I think Brett will, Brett White's, will be fine at Turner, and Brett was one of the people, a high-ranking executive that was a true wrestling fan, and so in some, in many ways, served as the liaison for AEW with what they call the T Nets, TBS, TNT, and True TV. Brett's gone now. Brett got laid off. He and and they're continuing to let people go. So all of these things combined, the cost conscious approach, the you know fact of how they're you know focused on Uh, you know, Discovery Plus, HBO Max. It's not like AEW is on HBO Max still. And the fact that the Turner Nets are just, nobody seems to know what the future of them are, but it doesn't seem to be trending towards original programming. None of this is a good sign for AEW. And again, I'm not saying it's a death sentence. I'm not declaring them canceled. Maybe they do move to HBO Max under a new deal. That seems like it might make sense. That seems like it might be a good move. But based on the lack of plugging we all witnessed at the upfront, a two hour event in which you basically try to plug every single show that you have. And they essentially got, you know, what I tweeted out amounted to one second of a moonsault. And then I was reminded that there was a, a photo split that showed seven nights of the week. And AEW was the photo for Wednesday night because it is the highest rated show across the Turner portfolio on Wednesday nights, which is like good, but not a, not a particularly difficult thing to do when you occupy 8 to 10 p.m. Uh, on the main T-net. Um, but beyond that, no verbal mention of AEW. Um, I would be a little bit concerned about the future. Now, again, here's the thing, Duke. You know, what optimists and AEW fans could argue correctly and fairly would be this could be a posturing move a negotiating tactic. Um, by Zaslav and the new regime that they don't want to overpay for AEW. And they certainly don't want to overpay. I'm, I'm certain that's correct. So maybe leaving them out of the package with the uncertainty of future contracts, you could make that argument. But, uh, you know, the fact that they had a, a sports presentation that featured Wayne Gretzky, Shaquille O'Neal and, and Pedro Martinez, and they were on stage for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes and and Ernie Johnson had this sports package, this pre-recorded package that EJ does a great job with. And as far as I can recall, unless it featured that one second of that moonsault, had no wrestling footage. That's that's not good. That's not promising for the future of AEW with Warner Brothers Discovery.
2: You know, Mags, you are a man of incredible insight. Always appreciate you taking the time to drop some knowledge on myself and the, the wonderful listeners here at Duke Love's wrestling. I know that uh, time's running out. you got to go to your next interview because you're a man in high demand, so to speak. Uh, please, before you go, though, let everybody know what's the best way they can keep up with you and your uh, publication.
1: Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Tony Maglio, T-O-N-Y-M-A-G-L-I-O. You can yell at me there. Uh, and my website, I am the executive editor of business coverage for IndieWire, um, which covers both TV and film. So, uh Check me out there. I'm a little bit more uh, respected in that world, I think, than uh, possibly on wrestling Twitter.
2: Have you subscribed to the Panera Bread Unlimited Sip Club? Folks, what are you waiting on here? We're talking $8.99 a month, so you can grab yourself a drink once every two hours. It is fantastic. And let me tell you something. They've expanded the Unlimited Sip Club. So not only can you get your hot or iced coffee or your hot or iced tea, now you can get the fountain drink so if you want to grab yourself a soda or check this out okay we are talking about the charged lemonades strawberry lemon mint fuji apple cranberry or the mango yuzu citrus okay these are clean energy drinks folks okay we're talking about guarana and green coffee extract gives you a nice little boost it certainly keeps me charged up to deliver the best episodes of duke loves wrestling for you so what are you waiting on visit your local panera bread or go to panerabread.com sign up for the unlimited sip club enjoy if you are a content creator and you want a great program that provides studio quality sound, especially when you're doing interviews, then I encourage you to check out Zencaster. That's right, Z E N C A S T R. It is my absolute favorite program to record with. I encourage everyone to check it out, okay? Visit zencaster.com for more information. Enjoy.
0: Oh yes, Dan Housen here, yeah. very nice, very evil, very famous, etc, etc, catchphrase, catchphrase, you know the thing. Yes, what well, he is coming to River City Wrestling Con in Jacksonville, at the Jacksonville fairgrounds of some sort. And it appears Billy Ass and the Ass Boys will be there too, so that's about nice Dan Housen's good friends. Dan Housen shall be doing a very evil Q&A of some sort. He shall be sending uh, photos, taking photos with the Fan Housens, doing all of those sorts of things that will be quite wonderful. You may come, it is June 11th, or be cast. It's a Saturday
2: Folks, as always, be kind to yourselves and be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. <laughs> this is Tony Schiavone, and we're definitely out of time on Duke Love Wrestling. <laughs>